She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Facebook was really how I like kind of got my dose of like okay, San Diego, California, and, and California in general. And once I cut that off, like, I got a lot weirder. <laughs> but I, I also, I relate to Life that. Life got a lot better, honestly. And it is really surreal when you talk to so many people who are talking about all the things that they miss or can't do anymore. And yeah. you're just like, am I a freak? Yeah, and, and when <laughs> I said that to you, you were like, well, yeah, I mean, we've removed a lot. Yeah. So maybe not having that fifth martini at you know even though it's free at the at the it's open bar man yeah yeah because the downside if that fifth martini is the one that sends you over and that downside is way too high. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome. Great to see you. It is great to see you, and today we have a conversation we've been wanting to have for a little bit of time now, uh, talking about the Via Negativa. Yeah, this is a strategy for improving your life. It's all about removing things, and we actually uh, go also into a little bit of a exploration of all the things we've removed to have the life we have now. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I can always tell when you're going to do something weird. (laughs) Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, everyone. Hello, wherever you are on the globe and whatever time it is. Good morning. (laughs) Did I say that? Welcome. It's good to have you here. It's nice to have you here. We are always excited to record. I, okay, I need to, we're going to get straight into it because this is a topic that we've actually tried to, you know, attack from different angles and know, okay, what are we actually trying to say here? We knew there was something, but, and this starts with, so I follow some French comedians and French people on Instagram. And obviously France has been on lockdown for about like almost two months at this point. And, uh, and there's a lot of jokes being made that kind of sparked this this seed of an idea because I see a lot of things happening online right now where people are just saying, oh man, can't wait till we can go out again. Can't wait till I can grab that beer with my friends at a cafe outside. I can't wait until I can hang out with my friends again. We're going to party. We're going to go to the restaurant. We're going to do all these things. And it always made me feel a little strange to, to see those things as I was like, People are, are people still doing that? I, I didn't I didn't even know people were still doing that. I have stopped doing that so long ago. My life is so not like that that I, I forget. It it's like I've totally forgotten those things even exist. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is it's kind of sad, I guess. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, oh what? You can you can go out with a group of people and, and watch a sports game and have a couple beers or you can go out to the club or, or dinner, you know? Like <laughs> strange. Yeah, it's it's uh it, and so I think this this it, made us realize... Just, this is like one of those accomplishments, like one of a major travel accomplishment is when you forget what day of the week it is. Mm-hmm. Like seriously forget what day, like you yeah. stop caring. Yeah. It took me like a year to get to that point where I stopped paying attention. Yeah. I now pay attention to what day of the week it is again because yeah. we're working these days. But, yeah. but there was a period where I didn't know and I didn't really care. <laughs> and it takes a lot of work to get there, like... To get there sincerely. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, I think this is another one of those things where you just forget what normal social life is, where you came from, and all the things people do because you're so kind of... Uh, Removed? Acclimated to oh, yeah. a different type of life. Yeah. You're so far out. That's yeah. really what it is, right? It's like you've gone so far out, you, yeah. you, you can't see it anymore. We you just forget spend it. so little time in in settings that would offer this this thing. And like going out to restaurants to us these days when we do have to go to restaurants, just awful, you know? It's like... You know when I think it really happened for me was when I quit Facebook 
about mm. a year and a half ago. Mm. That was the last strand because that was really like, that was kind of my uh, umbilical cord back mm. to my culture in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and we still spend a lot of time in it. I mean, most of our clients are American and we're definitely we not use Instagram totally out, of the, and, yeah. out of the culture or anything. But Facebook was really how I like kind of got my dose of like, okay, San Diego, California and, and California in general. And once I cut that off, like, I got a lot weirder. <laughs> but I, I also, I relate to Life that. Life got a lot better, honestly. Yeah, and but I relate to that too. I remember it, like deleting Facebook and then going to the other side of the planet with uh, no cell phone was like, it was a breaking point. There's something that stopped there. And and despite the fact that, as you said, we still engage with the culture and we, you know, we're, we're on social media a little bit, Instagram, just ma- mainly. And we don't really spend a lot of time on there but enough that we would know it, it still feels like that fracture has happened and and it's like a coming back almost i remember one time i went to joshua tree and i was in a part of the park where we were staying and like they have these you know people rent airbnbs just outside of the park but mm-hmm. it's basically just desert yeah. and they have acres and acres of land and it's like you know tumbleweeds rolling through yeah. and you see like jackrabbits and things and and there's really just nothing there there's like one boulevard street and it's got a few secondhand clothes shops and like maybe one like vegan restaurant and (laughs) and a burger barn or something like that and that's like you know a gas station and that's about it and it's like it's just really out there yeah and and then you go like up these dirt paths down another dirt path maybe one more dirt path and you're at the house and like you can't there's nothing else yeah it's glorious and uh but I always remember thinking it's like, wow, who actually lives out here? Like you think about it, it's like that's psychologically intense. <laughs> it's like you're way out here. Yeah. And if you live out here, it's like, where who might you become? You know, <laughs> like you 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 might become like someone really, really different. And you might get to a point where like there's no coming back, right? Mm. There's this feeling that like sooner or later you might drift so far from shore that you lose sight of it yeah. and, and you can't like return to yeah. society. <laughs> There's a psychological feeling of that. And in some ways, I was fascinated by that. Like I was, it terrified me and I was that not was ready like for it. way back. After a weekend, yeah. I drove back on the interstate back to San Diego. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, that was fun for a weekend, but hell no. Um, but more and more, I feel like my life is floating away from that shore. And, and you know what? There's something kind of beautiful about that because then I, I think, okay, it's scary because it could go wrong in different ways, right? Like you, you might get in trouble. Like that's a scary, that's the psychologically scary thing is that you might get stranded or you might drown or something like this, yeah. right? And, and you'll get left out or you'll be alone or something. But there's another side of that, which is that there's a chance there at least to really become more you. Mm. And maybe some people have become way too much them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you go out there to that like kind of grumpy old man on the porch who's been out there for 30 years and like maybe you don't want to be that. But I'm just, I'm just saying, I think it also provides this interesting opportunity to like really grow into yourself without a lot of the collective influences that we, that in a way kind of keep us hedged in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, and I think, that was part of what I was really, that what really drew me and what really fascinated me about yeah. that trip to Joshua Tree. And I definitely feel, you know, that's what the name of the podcast is, Far Out. Yeah. It's about getting a little, it's not just about going far out. It's it's about becoming more you in the process, right? Because yeah. the more you become you, you the less you're going to be like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's like, that's kind of what happened is I, I had all these realizations. I saw these things and then I came to you and I was like, dude. Do you know people are still doing that out there? Like, because my realization was, wow, our life haven't changed that much. Like our day-to-day life, there's things that have changed. This yeah. pandemic has affected a us. A lot of our plans have changed. Our, our business has changed. A lot of that stuff is being affected and will continue. But our day-to-day life is hasn't, almost the it's, same. It's like the same. And it is really surreal when you talk to so many people who are talking about all the things that they miss or can't do anymore. And yeah. you're just like, am I a freak? Yeah, and and when I said that to you, you were like, well, yeah, I mean, we've removed a lot. Yeah. We've removed a lot. And I was like, what What do you mean we've removed a lot? Because, and we, that was kind of the conversation because I was like, I don't feel like I tried to remove anything and it just kind of, it removed itself. 
But yeah, you said we removed a lot, and so this is kind of the topic of today's episode. Via negativa, yeah. the negative way. I think this comes from like a. I think this is a Christian term originally, but I I got turned on to it from Nassim Taleb, and Nassim Taleb is kind of a thinker philosopher. He used to be a stock trader. He's a writer now. He wrote Anti Fragile, which is one of my favorite books by him. He also wrote The Black Swan, Fooled by Randomness. But he's kind of, he's an interesting guy. He comes at things from a probability statistics approach and delves into life philosophy and, and what you should do and whatnot. And he had this idea about via negativa, but it really goes back to the Christians who it was, a, or, or a lot of ancient wisdom traditions for that matter, mm-hmm. you can see it, is it's basically a negative, a, a negative approach to describing God. Because we can't know exactly what God is, but we can say what God isn't, right? And so that was an approach mm. and, and perhaps a very wise one. And you can see it in like the commandments. You can see it a lot in like kind of Eastern traditions. True, of, yeah. of, uh, it's more of like ta- just taking away what it isn't. And things to not do and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, if we... And Nassim had a couple points on this, but for a moment, if we just psychologize the idea of God, if we take a psychological perspective on what God is, God is the highest value that mm-hmm. we all have, right? Mm-hmm. For each of us, whatever we consider God is by virtue the highest value thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever that, that conception is. That can be like hard to outline or even say what it is. And most likely we don't know what it is, right? Like mm-hmm. I think most of us would say, hey, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what God is, what the highest value is, but I know what it's not. And that's basically what it's saying is let's start with removing what it's not. So like going to the strip club, like the strip club, not God. Probably not God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, okay. So maybe I can, I can hear someone being like, well, everything's God, but but we're talking about like, we're we're talking about like, okay, the highest value in your life right now, we're moving on from trying to describe God in the Christian sense or in the wisdom sense to trying to find or trying to approach our best possible life. Mm -hmm. And what Nassim takes a really practical approach with this, and he says, hey, look, the first thing you should do is limit downside. Limit downside. And the way you can do that is via negativa. You limit downside by more by removing things and adding things. And the, the thinking behind this is that adding things has a lot of like what we call side effects, which are really just effects Mm -hmm. that we don't want. Mm -hmm. They're not the main approach. So you smoke cigarettes, perhaps because you like how it makes you feel. Side effect of cigarettes is lung cancer, Mm -hmm. right? But that's not a side effect. That's an effect. Mm -hmm. We just call them side effects. Yeah. But you take a statin, for example, a blood thinner or something like this. There's all sorts of side effects. And as you add more and more things, the relationships get more and more complex. Mm-hmm. We're in this kind of situation in the West, particularly medically, where we're all hopped up on different drugs and stuff, and they all have interactions, right? And this is why, like, even taking something like Advil, mm-hmm. you can have an adverse uh, reaction if you're taking other stuff. So as you add more things, there's more chances for adverse kind of connections or or just basically potentialities that you couldn't predict or see or that might be emergent as well. Well, that's the first aspect of it. So you can think about like debt, for example. If you're in debt, one of the best things you can do is remove the debt because debt has a lot of downside. And, you know, we can look at this right now in the situation we're in right now. A lot of us might be kind of experiencing this or seeing people who are experiencing this. Or it's like that debt is not problematic as long as you have an income, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of like invisible downside mm. if that if if that were to change or let's say you had to move and you couldn't get a job or whatever it is right there's a lot of different ways that, that could play out but mm. basically that debt has a lot of possible downside and right now if you can make your payments it's okay but that downside's still there and so now you lose your job and like all of a sudden the downside's there major downside right yeah. like you could have to like kind of you you could go bankrupt you could lose your house your family could be adversely affected, you lose your freedom, all these kind of things could happen, right? Major downside. Mm-hmm. When you go into that, when that happens to you, you probably might look back and say, debt was never worth it. I probably should have had a smaller house and maybe shouldn't have bought the Ferrari. Mm. That probably would have been yeah. better. So this is part of the idea is basically that there's all in kind of unintended interactions and that there's major downside with a lot of them. And just by removing things, we remove ourselves from that possibility. So 
that's part of it. The other thing is if you have debt and you're servicing debt, you can also, if you remove the debt, you can start putting that money toward like kind of positive to the upside, uh-huh. right? Okay, so via negativa, removing things. And if we're looking at how do we reach our best life, that's hard to describe, right? Well, one of the best ways to do it, it's much easier, it's much more concrete to say, that's not part of my best life. Mm. I don't need this. It's much easier to look at what isn't part of your best life than it is perhaps to conceptualize or create on the spot what your best life is. Mm -hmm. And there's major payoff to this approach via negativa because as you start taking those things out, like for example, the debt, you can use those what would have been debt payments toward exploring and creating a best possible life, which is usually a creative vision and really usually requires you go embark on that adventure. Mm -hmm. It's not usually something we can conceptualize and visualize from the beginning and then move to. It's usually a moving target. Mm -hmm. So the best thing usually we can do is remove a lot of the things that aren't part of that that might be slowing us down in really big ways. For example, a toxic relationship, right? You get out of a toxic relationship, all of a sudden, all aspects of your life improve. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of what we're talking about. It's like a lot of times these this via negativa actually creates much more positive results. That's the funny thing, right? It's a negative way to what ends up being a really positive outcome. It's like, it actually is a way to much more positive results if you get rid of that negative relationship. If you stop smoking, not only are you not spending money on cigarettes, but you're you're reducing your, your risk of dying early or all sorts of complications, right? Like yeah. all these things. Each one of these, those are massive. Try, try, Try recreating that kind of level of positive results by adding something. But that's the thing is that in our culture, we're so first off, because when you remove something, you never see the negative consequence that would have happened. So you don't see the gain mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. right? Some of it you can see. But for example, if I don't smoke cigarettes and I don't get cancer, it's not like you don't that cause and effect relationship when you add something and something changes. It's not as visible, well, right? Well, we, we we know what we're giving up. We don't know what we're gaining. When yeah, we're and that's the other thing up. is is we can see we're very. I can see that I'm giving up the cigarettes or I'm giving up the cake, right? And like that's tangible. And there's some things that I really like about that. A lot of times these are also kind of addictive in some way or, yeah. or unhealthy in some way. So there, there's that aspect of it too. I see and feel that the short the short term kind of result of that, which might be uncomfortable and not very pleasant. And uh, it's it's very hard. Humans are not very good at thinking long-term, although this is a major aspect of what makes us human. And a, a major aspect of success as, yeah. a, as a human being is, you know, not having that Oreo now. So you can have two Oreos later. Yeah, yeah. The, that's there. There's a study around that, and there's the kids. Plenty, that, there's yeah. plenty of like videos with kids. Foregoing and, something yeah. for something later tends to equate to success. Delayed, gratification, Delayed gratification is really hard to uh, understand. Yes, and I think what we're getting at here is that because you remove these things and you open up potentials, you open up potentialities that are invisible. But I, a lot of times, and this has been true in my life, is that. When, I, when those potentials start getting realized and I look back on the things I gave up that look like they were a big reason for getting here, like these are not direct cause and effect relationships anymore. We have to be thinking more holistic here, mm-hmm. right? That everything we do has some sort of impact and a lot of it cannot be measured. And we just have to go on kind of hunches and guesses and our best, and our best kind of insight yeah. on it. And when I look back on a lot of my life and I attribute the things I gave up and that's what the next part of this episode is going to be about is we're just going to kind of, you know, shoot the shit a little bit on some of the stuff that that we've given up over yeah. the years. Some of it that's been really surprising. Yeah. But some of those things that I've given up and I look at what I've, what, what's come to me as a result. And I, it's like magnitudes, orders of magnitude more valuable to me than the things I gave up. But I couldn't see that at the time. And there was no guarantee that was going to be a part of it, yeah. right? So that's also the difficulty is it's like... It's like there's an element of faith. There's no guarantee here. Yeah. But I want to get back to one other thing about this, which is that we are so trained in our society. If you look at marketing and the business world, here's the thing. Anyone who's going to sell you something, for the most part, there's no money 
in via negativa. There's, there's no money there's in no this. There's no one making money and you yeah. removing shit. It's kind of like if you think about like, okay, if you think about, for example, let's take the, the McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. And then let's take broccoli, right? McDonald's has got a ton of money behind it to kind of, you know, push McDonald's kind of agenda out mm-hmm. there. And like, oh, McDonald's is going to make your kids happy, whatever. But it's got the money to do it, yeah. right? Broccoli doesn't because there's no money in broccoli, right? Like there's no, there's no, <laughs> doesn't, no one cares. But it's like, but broccoli is incredibly healthy for you, yeah. right? And like, if you start eating broccoli instead of McDonald's, it's going to be much better for you. Yeah. Okay, the point here of this kind of not great example. I love this. There's no money behind broccoli. It's like, man, who the Big who broccoli. Is, who is who's, su- be- yeah. who's big broccoli? I want to know more about broccoli. No one's supporting broccoli. Uh, you terrible. know what? Look into it. I bet there's a conspiracy theory here. Big broccoli is getting ready to take over the The point is, the point is this that no one's going to sell you on getting rid of things because there's no money to be made. They can't sell that. But so many times that is like that is such a massively more impactful and transformational and healthy thing to do. But all the messaging we're going to get is almost always going to be about what you should add because that is something they can sell. Yeah. So if you don't want to be a sucker, this is how Nassim Taleb would say it. It's like the way to not be a sucker is to, to be pretty skeptical when someone wants you to add something to your life. Yeah. Because the road, what do they have to gain if you're adding ex- to your exactly life? Yeah. usually because that's that's how it's always additive yeah. um and this is the road to wisdom is actually removing more and more things not adding adding can be an effective strategy in moderation but that's pretty much what we do ad nauseum and we hardly ever really seriously consider the via negativa road it's usually an afterthought and because we're also just because there's, it's so visible when you add something, right? And there's the placebo effect. And, so there's, there's, and once again, I think it's that delayed gratification. It doesn't give me any sort of gratification to let go of something. It gives me a lot of gratification to press buy on Amazon and get that yeah. new cream that's going to cure all my acne. And then if you actually have some results, you cause that to happen. There's this whole like kind of narrative yeah. there, right? And, uh, and, and the marketing, you know, the big business really preys on that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there's, there's just before we before we get into all the things we've given up, there's just this idea around all of this that I think was one of the most impactful ones. And I was exposed to it a few years ago. Some of you might have heard it, but it's this idea of what if tomorrow morning all women in the world woke up, look at themselves in the mirror and thought that they are beautiful just the way they are. Just think of the billions of dollars industry that would crumble in a day. Like just all this gone. No reason for them to be here. And of of course. And that business is built on adding something. You need to have something more, right? This is it's it's uh it's phenomenal when you think about it. So the trick, you know, if you're trying to move toward life, you know, your highest value life, right? Is it's much easier to see the things you you can remove. And they probably have a lot of downside. Mm-hmm. A lot of downside perhaps you don't see also, right? Like in the case of debt. Yeah. And they probably also, by just removing them, create tons of upside or potential upside that you can't see. And so all of this leads to kind of this idea that to live your best life, whatever that is for you, whatever that conception is for you, is probably a much more reliable road to start figuring out what to remove rather than what you need to add. And that's something you can start doing now. And it's kind of crazy because as you do that, there's momentum happens. Like it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of willpower to add something. If we're not talking about like pressing buy now on a website, we're talking about like adding a new diet or adding a workout routine. These things are super, they, they can be great, but they take a lot of effort. Yeah. Removing things, I mean, sometimes that can be a lot easier to do as well. Yeah, I think, well, there, there's, yes, but there's also a lot of resistance in removing things. There's this quote that you told me, abundance is available, but it's going to cost you your old self. That's the thing. That's why people don't take the via negativa, because it's a constant acceptance of the death of you today, because there's a new you asking to be born all moment of every second of every day. And we don't want that. We just don't want that. That doesn't seem appealing to us. And I think a lot of the things we removed meant the death of something. Yeah, which is why this is a bit of a spiritual game. 
right? Yeah. Like this, this is, a, I think, a spiritual path to go down. Yeah. But I think it's ultimately extraordinarily rewarding to do it. And it can open up possibilities that that just were unimagined before as, as you start to get better at this. And you can start super small. You can start by just, you know, you, you can, whatever it is, it can be tiny. But like, as you start to notice these effects that can be kind of intangible and hard, and as you just notice the general momentum of your life, right? Like you're just avoiding bad shit. Yeah. Like at some point, right? Like we all know this one, right? Like if you can just avoid not getting pissed drunk at mm. the at the business holiday party, you know, you're better off. Like that's <laughs> going to create a lot of problems. That's major downside, right? Major downside. So yeah. so maybe not having that fifth martini at you know, even though it's free oh, yeah. at the at the It's open bar, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because the downside if that fifth martini is the one that sends you over and that downside is way too high. So yeah. just if you just don't fuck it up that night, yeah. like your life is like what ten times better than if I mean, okay, maybe it's not short ten times. Short term, maybe. Yeah, but, but yeah. it's a lot better, right? Yeah. The next day, and, yeah. and and your next day is going to be a lot better too. So it's that idea. It's just if we can also just avoid some of like the major potholes in the road, life's going to be a lot better. And and we may not, and we might take it for granted a little bit that we still have four tires that work. Mm-mm. But you know, as soon as you hit one of those potholes, uh, things can get really you know, rough. So in the spirit of just exploring all the things that we've had to remove, because I think we started this podcast when we were already pretty far along this path. And so it's hard to imagine what our lives looked like before, probably. And so I was curious for us to explore a little bit about what we removed. And actually, if you're interested on our Patreon, we will have, with this episode, we will have a video showing you uh like what our lives look like yeah giving you a little peek into it so you can see all the things that aren't there (laughs) (laughs) the blatant emptiness of it um yeah so what are some of the things you removed Alistair? all right well there's definitely the more typical ones for this kind of life or at least i think are helpful for living this kind of life long term which is like alcohol for the most part i mean i have i'm not a teetotaler but for the most part if it's just you and I, there's no alcohol in the house. Yeah. And uh, perhaps if my parents are here, there's usually a bottle of wine. But otherwise, I don't drink a lot of alcohol. And um, even when you do, you really don't drink that. Like, there, it's like a one and glass. I, I went to, yeah, drink. and I went to San Diego State. So just to, and maybe that means nothing to you, but we were number four <laughs> on Playboy's list of party schools my freshman year. <laughs> and uh, I lived up to that standard <laughs> in college and beyond. Yeah. So, <laughs> but... I won't tell you exactly what that means because I think my mom will have a heart attack. <laughs> uh, but I was drinking a lot and I was drinking heavily. Yeah. I think some would say I had a problem, but I was in college, so I thought this was okay. Yeah. Um, I feel anyway. like a lot of people have that yeah. same approach yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I one, at one point, um, I, and this is when I probably should have known I had a problem, is I got busted for peeing off like the third or fourth story balcony of our dorms, like <laughs> onto the entrance when I was drunk. With some friends. So I got busted doing this. I had to go see a psychologist or a therapist for my alcohol problem. They asked me how much I drank. I told them pretty frankly. It's like, oh, you're fine. It's like, what is that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's at like, that point, it, I was drinking, you, you know, three, four, four nights a week. Yeah. You know, partying. Yeah. So, but that's college, right? Yeah. It's, it's so okay. I'm just, this is where I came from. So if I can do it, you can do it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did you? How did you get there? Actually, I'm, what, what's been the road? Do you feel like it was a conscious removing? Like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. So tomorrow. that's that's kind of interesting because I got there by removing other things. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I removed was a job. And financial security. Yeah. That starts to make you think about how much you're spending on alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the other thing is at that point when I removed that job, it was to go take on a more kind of entrepreneurial startup position. Yeah. And uh, you need your energy for that. And alcohol drains you of your energy. It's it's not good for that. So uh, that kind of forced me to. So that was one thing. Another thing that happened was I, uh, I moved to India. And when I and and you could kind of see that through the negative as well. It's like first I removed myself from my current culture, which and my social my social kind of relationships, which were definitely not making it 
you know, it was definitely my responsibility that I was drinking like that, but it was not making it easy when you live in San Diego and there's at least 300 breweries yeah. like outside your doorstep. Yeah. And everyone, every time it's sunny, which is every day, <laughs> people want to go, you know, have a beer and go to the beach or whatever, yeah. which was great for a while. But then it's like, shit, San Diego's a hard, <laughs> San Diego's a hard place to like really to live a straight life. <laughs> sounds like it i mean i've only been there a week but i could tell like yeah, it would be difficult yeah yeah anyway so i kind of removed myself from a lot of those things i went to india where there is no alcohol and that was actually kind of a that kind of forced me to to adapt to that and ever since that you know between really not having the money for it when i think about like what my values were and stuff through removing financial security and just putting myself in situations where uh, alcohol was actually hard to get a get. I mean, you could get it in India, but it was under the table and stuff And it like was that. usually it was like way more expensive than any other drink you could have. It was still cheap by American standards, but if you're thinking in rupees, it's a lot yeah. of money. But that was that was like kind of a problem at some point that I felt was insolvable. Like I didn't know how to stop completely stop drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I wanted to stop drinking alcohol, but like going from that to doing it was it, it was as many have tried can be hard for some of us uh, and it was particularly difficult for me so that was a kind of gradual process but it was also from removing things other things i've removed is i've, I've removed a lot of my belongings uh, i sold a lot of my stuff when i decided i wanted to travel and you know what's funny is that when i i've had to remove identities mm. another thing that i've definitely like when i left my job as a general manager there was a lot of status and uh, like a lot of identity that i had mistakenly wrapped up in that yeah. position and i had to remove that and for a while that that left me in an identity crisis there was kind of like a hole and it's like okay well i can't tell people that's what i do anymore so who am i mm. and that was actually you know i kind of i struggled with that and it's like you know, especially if you're like an entrepreneur or a, a wannabe entrepreneur or a struggling business person or whatever, if as long as you have the title, right, like you can hide behind the title of yeah. like, I'm a co-founder, I'm yeah. a partner, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, whatever. But as soon as you say like, hey, I'm not that anymore, now you have to deal with like, okay, or, did you fail? Is that, you know, like yeah. you failed to be one or like, or whatever. You you have to kind of come to terms with that. I don't think of myself as a failure in that aspect, but I definitely failed at those projects. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. Didn't, the goals we had did not come to fruition. But um, sometimes they do and you still have to let go of the identity. I mean, I was listening to a podcast with someone who sold a startup for like billions or millions of dollars or something. And he was saying that, uh, he he realized that he needed to let go of that identity and he had to move away. It's when he moved away from the town to create a new branch in a new town that he realized, oh, I actually don't want to do this. And actually this identity of the CEO and the co-founder kind of wants to die. I, I heard the same thing actually from Derek Sivers on a recent podcast that he was on where he was saying, you know, like someone introduced him with a long accolade of, of his achievements uh-huh. because he had sold like a 10 or $20 million company. He'd been on Ted like three times, yeah. done all this stuff. And that was like 10 years ago though, or something. And, and uh, so the guy had kind of introduced this, you know, it was a business podcast mm-hmm. and he gave all these things. And, and then Derek was like, well, you know, really like that was all in the past mm. and I'm not that person anymore. And I'm just a writer. Wow. Know? Uh, that was the, the he told that on the podcast yeah. Ooh. yeah and I was like yeah that's that's cool because a lot of times those those identities no longer serve us right yeah. like we're, we're kind of stuck in them but that's not who we are now and that leaves us in the past so not only did I let go of an identity I let go of a title and you know what's funny is right when I let go of that or removed that job which was causing a massive amount of stress that's why I had to remove it, it was like I was it was, it was a part of a bigger project, but I was kind of depressed. I had a lot of anxiety. I was chronically fatigued, and this job was killing me. Yeah. It's killing me. And when I removed it, in fact, it was the next job that I also removed. Because yeah. <laughs> I jumped into another job, and it started killing me too. <laughs> so uh, I had to learn this lesson a couple times. But so, so this was the startup position that I was in. And I, I finally, after like a year, was like, hey, this isn't working. And I removed that. And then... What was really interesting, it was literally like maybe a week or two after I made the decision that like I'm done and I'm, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm done with this. That's when 
I allowed myself to actually realize that I had this dream to put on a backpack and travel. Mm. And I, it literally just came in. Mm. And it was like, now that I'm not trying to keep up this, this stuff, like once there was space for it, it just walked in yeah. and said, hey, I can be here now because that there was no space for that as long as I was going to be the startup manager and, and living in San Diego and all these things. Like they just didn't make sense with my life. And I realized that I had been like kind of denying that. And it was something I really wanted to experience. And it just popped in. And like literally a week or two later, I was like, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to leave. And that's what started me on this whole adventure that leads to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, like five years ago or six years ago, was really removing something and just having that space where like something more authentic, something, a dream of mine that I knew had been there for years, but was too scared to admit because I did not know how to realize it, just said, hey, here I am. Mm. And that's that, that dream has completely altered my life. Yeah, so, it's, it's really like, it's really about making the space for it. I think something for me is when I look at all the things I've removed, I never, it was never like, oh, okay. I'm going to sit down, make a list of all the things I need to remove to have a better life and blah, blah, blah. It's way more messy. It's way less linear than that. It's way less cause and effect. You, I never, it's hard to say, okay, I did this and then this happened. It's so much more, you know, it's like for in your story, for instance, you had removed a lot of the partying and the alcohol and the kind of more, you know, weekendy distractions during your year of being working at the startup and 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 that maybe also that probably contributed a hell of a lot for for the dream of traveling to be able to come through. You're totally right. So yeah. it's like there's a lot that's going on. It's not like you do this and then this happens. And I think the other which thing is why I, this is a habit, right? Like yes, this is a this a, is an attitude. If you can start looking for things to remove, it's not about one thing getting yes. you there. It's about the cumulative effect and momentum of approaching life in this way. Yeah. And I think this is something else that came to mind when you were talking is there is an, I will bet you anything that if you look at your life right now, there is an infinite amount of things that you could remove. It's not necessarily tangible things. It's not like, oh, I'm going to get rid of this t-shirt or I'm going to stop. Although that can be it. That can and be it. And we're seeing that that's quite a craze with the whole Marie Kondo stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Which, People just love getting rid of things. Yeah. So it, oh, it brings me joy. <laughs> Uh, but but that's that's I think that's the other side of this. This is there's always so much to remove all the time, and I think this is when you get down to the more spiritual element to this. Of there is always layers of death all the time. It's like you're shedding, you know, like cells in your bodies are die. Your body is dying like every second. That's the same with everything. We're a different person every seven years, right? Like by that point, every cell I think yeah, yeah, has yeah. Yeah. regenerated. I'm not a scientist. I think Don't quote me the, on this, but no. I think I think that's the thing that goes around that that That's not true. I, I think or, it's pretty true. Okay. I think right. it's pretty true. It's just like And by the way, going back to the Mary Kondo thing, I did the Mary Kondo thing. It was great. It's a great place to start. <laughs> if 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 you need somewhere to start, that can be good. You know, if you can get rid of your shirts and some of these things cuz they all You know what's interesting about a lot of this too is that we don't realize how much of ourselves, whether it's an identity or a piece of clothes that we put into things, mm -hmm. right? That that like shouldn't be there. Yeah. And when we remove them, we there's this ritual that has to happen where you kind of have to say goodbye to that. And in a way, you're saying goodbye to something inside of you, right? Like if you ever burn that picture of your ex girlfriend that that you that broke your heart, you know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like you're saying goodbye to something there, and uh, there's so there's a psychological component of that. And so I think if you can start with your shirts or your books, that the books was the hardest one for me in the Mary Kondo thing. Oh yeah. God, so tough. But the other stuff, that's a great place to start because it gets some momentum going and you start to see the psychological effect of removing things and, and bring, like letting go of pieces of yourself or kind of assimilating them again and bringing them back into you and not doing this cheat that really doesn't work of like putting it places that it shouldn't be. Yeah. That's a messy life. I, I think the big thing for me is to, to say... A lot of the things I've removed happened through a very painful process, either because there was a lot of pain and I realized I had to remove something or because I removed something and then there was a lot of pain after I removed it. There's a lot of pain involved in the process. I feel like 
it can be glorified, but it's really painful. At the same time, it's really necessary. It was really necessary for me. One of the major things that I've removed, and it's taken a long time, and I, I would say it's kind of the equivalent to my your alcohol. Alcohol was actually not that hard for me to remove. It, it, I was relieved when I finally was in a in a different environment, and it wasn't as much of a a thing that I could have because alcohol and I, we never really got along and it, I, I drank it because it was here, but it it was always really uh, physically painful. And I was always the first one to get blackout drunk and all these things. I, I don't think I'm handling it very well and I don't really like it either, but weed and cigarettes on the other hand, like now that's, that's my jam. And so it's uh, it's been and a when process. I, when I met you, you were smoking a lot of both. Uh, yeah, I mean, for I smoked cigarettes. I was trying to remember this morning. I've smoked cigarettes on and off, mostly on for like eleven or eleven or twelve years, and I'm only twenty eight. So yeah. wow, this is the this, this is, is the French. French. Yeah. I started smoking when I was fourteen. People, so. that's about. I, I remember going there at one point when I wasn't too much older, but like I saw someone who was like eleven or thirteen or something, oh, that's, and yeah. they were smoking, and I was just like, "What the hell is going on over here?" Yeah, yeah. So like cigarettes, and and I mean, I want to say that probably for around six or seven years, I had really big chunks of times where I was smoking weed every day and, yeah. and multiple times a day, depending on weed the was another one that, that I had to give up as well. And I, they, I definitely had a similar stretch of time where I was smoking weed every day. And to be clear, and I think this is a, this is something that I know I would have a tendency to think if I was hearing this podcast, it's like, Oh my God, there's all these things that are not my highest value and that are preventing me from having the most enlightened life. And I have to like be ruthless and remove them. It's a really long and spiritual. It's been a really long and spiritual process for me to accept also the fact that these things were here as crutches. You can't remove. Well, I couldn't remove everything at once because, and when I did, it was very, very, very intense. And a lot of shit came up to the surface that I was like pushing down with all these things, especially the weed. I mean, it's a sedative. I, I was I was sedating myself every day because I, I felt too much because turns out I had a repressed trauma that it did, I couldn't deal with. There's a lot of things that go on. And that 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 make the reason why we don't want to remove these things, especially the addictive substances. And, and I think that's kind of it leads to having to remove other things, like right, like negative habits or mindsets or or ways yes. of or bad coping strategies, right? Like the the alcohol that we're adding. And this is this gets back to this idea of like there can be a lot of like interconnected mm -hmm. relationships, right? Because like you're using alcohol to maybe suppress like a, a particular resentment or certain things, and those things have all sorts of interrelated, you know, consequences and yeah. they can be massive. And one that comes to mind for me is my Hashimoto's, which is also kind of complex. And there seems to be like several things that go into having Hashimoto's. So for those who don't know, it's an autoimmune disease. It's an autoimmune disease that I was diagnosed with uh, when I was 27. And there's different aspects of it. But basically, like, it was definitely that I was not eating well that I was drink, not taking care of myself and drinking too much as part of that. But I had a, lived a high-stress lifestyle and a lot of anxiety and all of these things. And all those together, you know, it's hard to pin, like, what exactly caused it. But living that long enough created dysfunction in my body. Yeah. And then it creates more dysfunctions because it's like now I have a gluten and uh, sensitivity. And that's partly because of the way I was treating myself Possibly some of it was genetic, some of it was maybe environmental, and some of it was lifestyle, but I had developed a leaky gut. And now that was playing into the Hashimoto's. So now gluten, which can be mistaken for um, a molecule or a cell in the, in the thyroid, was now triggering autoimmune responses, which then would go and attack my thyroid. Mm -hmm. And so it's like all like all these complexities happen, yeah. right? And And it can be totally different for someone else, but like that when we remove that, we often have to deal with the stuff underneath that we were kind of suppressing or, or bottling up and maybe work through that too, like let go of some of that stuff. Yeah, and, and I think going back to what you were saying earlier, this idea of we don't know, we know what we're giving up, but we don't know what we're getting. And that's one of the reasons it's hard to give up shit. And I think what happens is when you put yourself in an environment where... 
like for instance, putting myself in an environment where no longer was I really interested in having alcohol. It just completely reinforced everything I thought about what would happen if I gave up alcohol. Because all of a sudden I'm not mm-hmm. drinking alcohol, feeling a lot better. There's a lot going on that is like, I'm not having as much pain. I'm not, you know, like getting sick as much. All these little things that help me realize, oh, okay, I, I actually feel better. It's like a positive response and it reinforces my my idea that I'm not going to do that, have that habit anymore. Sometimes that can be delayed though. Like if you think about coffee, right? Which I think for a lot of people is maybe net negative. Yeah. But but because you need that fix in the morning and you get that early high, yeah. you know? And also because if you stop, for the next week, you're going to have massive headaches yeah. and, and you're basically going to have to start catching up on the sleep that yeah. coffee's helped you not to have. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so like, there's a, there oftentimes is a period of negative consequence where you kind of pay the price yeah. of the, of the habit before you can get to the positive. And a lot of times I see this can be true for other things too, but people don't make it through that kind of transitional stage, which is actually more difficult than staying with the crutch. But the reward, if you get to the other side of that, is so much bigger. It's- and I think this is why having people share their experience is can be helpful because it can be a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel when you're going through that hard time of withdrawal. I had something similar happen when I stopped taking the pill. I was starting to have symptoms. You can listen to my whole story. You're talking about on, the birth control pill. Yeah, yeah. For the, us men the, out there that may... The hormonal <laughs> birth control pill. The ovulation suppressant. If you're interested in learning about this, we have an episode uh, called uh, Reclaiming My Body. We will link it in the show notes at thefaralpodcast.com. Also, Julie Roxanne, you are starting to work with women who want to get off the pill uh, because yeah. you went through this process. And so you're starting to also support others who want to. And you're actually, there's a method you use that has been pretty impressive. Yeah, so if yeah. that's something that's interesting to you, reach out. And you, you can definitely hear more about it on this episode. And you can reach out, uh, host at thefaralpodcast.com. It's one of uh, my passions in life. I've Because it's been such a journey. Because I remember, and I remember vividly, I stopped the pill. And the month that followed was horrible absolutely horrible symptoms that I've never experienced in my life like constipation to the max that's not something I'm usually prone to really intense mood swings like all these things and when you're in it you don't know what's going on and so for I actually thought I got pregnant I I was in a long-term relationship and we were like pretty okay with the idea of being of like having a baby and so I was just like oh maybe I'm just pregnant that's probably it turns out no no I was it was withdrawal symptoms and the, the thing is it took me, and I shit you not, it took me two years from the moment I stopped till the moment I felt like I was out of the woods on the withdrawal symptoms. It's crazy because, and and it was such a difficult two years where I had to keep the faith that something better was coming on the other side and that I didn't need to go back to this like gray, dull, kind of semi-depressed state that I didn't even know I was in until I stopped taking the pill. Because at least when I was like those two years where there was a lot of mood swings, a lot of really painful acne, a lot of like, there was a lot going on that was definitely related to that. But it was clear that it was at least, it was somewhat of an improvement over this feeling nothing that I was feeling for eight years when I was on on birth control. So this was something really important for me to remove. And we made this joke, like in our, in the beginning of our relationship, where the only reason you were able to go and start traveling was because you started taking a pill for your Hashimoto's disease. (laughs) And I, the only reason that happened is because I stopped. I stopped taking the pill and a year later I, I quit, like, a few months later, I quit my job. So I removed my job. I removed everything that I knew around that and financial security as well. I quit. I left my relationship a few months later. And then I started traveling a few months later. So in the span of a year after ta- after quitting the pill, so much has happened that would never have happened. And I never would have met you if I didn't. It's kind of like I, it's it's like you're running a race, right? And you've got this belt on and there's all sorts of stones and objects and like heavy shit that mm-hmm. like are tied to ropes that are around this belt. Yeah. And and you're just like trying to run that race, right? And I feel like that's where you and I were both six years ago. It's like mm-hmm. we're trying to run this race with like our alcohol habits, smoking cigarettes, taking the pill, like yeah. bad life, you know, not eating well yeah. or, or my 
high stress job or whatever, and you're just trying to run this game of life, and it's like you're going so slow, and it takes so much work, and you're like, shit, maybe like, man, maybe I need to like, you know, do a different exercise routine to get stronger, yeah, you know, yeah. or maybe I need to drink more Gatorade, or maybe I can buy a new backpack that will organize my stones yeah. a lot better, or maybe I need to take like, you know. <laughs> Maybe I need to take Adderall or Modafinil or something. Yeah. Get on these brain drugs yeah. everyone's talking about, yeah. you know? But no, maybe you just need to start cutting the ropes. Yeah. The, like that anchor, that rusty anchor you've been carrying since you were 13. Maybe like you don't need that anymore. Maybe you'd be a little faster without it. Yeah. And I think that's what this really feels like to me is like we've cut a bunch of these ropes. Like, you know, I'm not carrying like three pounds of tin cans behind me anymore or like massive boulders and and all this stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think like, uh, there's a lot, I'm saying a lot about things that I was taking in from the outside that I removed. But there's also a lot of more like mental attitudes that you had that I had to remove. Hell, I had to remove relationships, purely and simply. When I left Paris, which was four years ago, I had to remove everything that I knew. I left my life completely. And it wasn't like I planned this. It wasn't like I removed my job and then I thought, oh, I've been wanting to travel since I was, you know, whenever. I just, I was kind of trying to save myself. And and it felt like the only way to do that was to just leave. And I left everything behind. And that was difficult to, to cope with for a long time. Like, I'm really just feeling... Uh, like I'm getting a some sense of closure around that recently, and it's been four years. It's a really long process of of l- letting go of those things that made up my life for so long. I can totally relate with that, and you know something you said just it's so funny because a lot of the things we're talking about removing at one point we were adding. You know, like when I was 18 or 17, maybe even 16. I think maybe 16 was when it really started. That's when I was adding weed and alcohol because I thought it was going to make my life better, you know, Uh, and like a lot of these other things. And to realize that a lot of these come from the adding habit, the adding mindset of like, what can I add because my life's not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then, you know, 10 10 years later, you're removing all that stuff. And and, uh, I'm not saying that it's it cannot be, like you said, like adding the pill was important for me, for for my hormones. But I think we've really grossly overvalued the adding things Mm -hmm. and the value it gives because of this kind of visible nature it has and because that's all of what the conversation is about and that's where all the money is so that's where all the focus is and everyone wants you to think in that way because that's how they're going to make you money if i'm going to help you i'm probably going to have to add something to your life at least that's the general thing i actually work with people on removing things quite a bit when i work with them so I, I think there are, but, you know, there's not a lot of money in that. I, I'm definitely not a millionaire, and I don't think it's going to happen from teaching people how to remove things. Yeah. Because that's something you can do on your own, you know? Like, once you understand that and start learning that, this is teaching someone how to fish, you know? Yeah. Like, you can start looking at your life and do that for yourself. You don't need to pay someone mega bucks to remove shit, you know? Unless you want Mary Kondo to come into your house and do it for you. That's yeah, kind of cool. But. That is that is pretty cool. That's a lot of money, though. I yeah. feel like Marie Kondo is pretty pretty yeah. expensive. No, but in all seriousness, if like sometimes we do need guides, and sometimes we do need people who have removed are on the other side and can tell us what it looks like. Because yes. if I didn't have those bless their souls, all these women who wrote posts on the internet about like the fact that two years after they stopped the pill, they're now fan- finally back to who they are and feeling like themselves again. Because let me tell you, not only did I feel like crap every single day of, of like those two years, most of the time for other reasons too, but I felt like crap. My mom, who's a gynecologist, and even though she's pretty holistic minded, would tell me like, dude, you really don't look good. You probably, like, do you want to get on something else? Do you want me to get you some antibiotics for that acne? Or do you want to get back on the pill? Maybe you should. And like, I had to have a strong stance on, no, I know something good's coming. I know this is where I'm needing to go, but you need the reassurance. And so having a guide can be really important. Yeah, or having a model and and being able to see what might be on the other side. Like you said, I do think that's really important because it can be hard. And I actually think that's probably a place where where it makes sense to invest 
bucks because yeah. you're going to save in the longer run. And this is what your clients on your uh, money program are doing, they're, your mindful money program are doing because they're investing in, in this system that you help them come up with on how they can manage their money better and then remove things so that they can then get to the life that they want to li live, which most of the time we don't even know because there's so much shit that we've had to, that we have to carry. Yeah, and, and it's blocking the view as well, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I kind of think about it like, you kind of think about it like creating a sculpture, right? Yeah. Like you start with a big block. It's like a block. It's not very like defined or anything. And you start removing stuff. Yes. Until you get to that like ideal image that's there. And, and that's a that's a process of saying, all right, well, that edge doesn't belong. So let's chisel that off and whatever. But it's all about chiseling away. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of this is like doing that, especially in a consumer Western society, which is just the, our religion is adding. And yeah. so it's like, there's a lot to remove there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you know, something else that I, we haven't really said on the podcast that we've removed is an ideology. We removed veganism. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about actually, uh, for, for this episode as well. And that probably deserves a episode of its own. We should. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we haven't thought about doing that, but <laughs> We're eating meat these days, and uh, it, we both really benefited from it. And we realized that, like, while veganism might work for some people, and not going to completely slam it, ideologies tend not to work for anyone very yeah. well. And uh, veganism had become an ideology for us, and so we had to remove that. And then there's layers of identity along with that as well. And and I think this goes with this. This also this idea of ideologies, and you you also told me that you removed expectations of how your life should turn out. Like that now, that's that's a really powerful and difficult thing to remove. And I I would say I, I have removed similar similarly. I've removed this idea of like timelines and plans on how and when things are going to happen. Yeah, I think I think you know going through like traditional educational system coming out with a finance degree at like 21 22 and yeah you know you just you have this like chart in your head it's like all right i'm gonna work my ass off for maybe the next eight ten years and then like oh, by then i'll found a woman and and a wife and like we'll buy the house and all these things and like that's implicit in our culture yes. some version of that like maybe that's a kind of stereotypical one but there's some version of that that like tends to like swirl in mm -hmm. a lot of our heads mm -hmm. And there's a lot of expectations around like what you should do and by when, right? Like you should definitely know what your career is by 30 or, yeah. you know, like these different things. And for women, it's like, oh, you should be pregnant by the time you're 30, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that, or I don't know. I'm not a woman, but that seems to be that's, one that shows a, up a lot. That's a big one. That's a big one. But removing a lot of those expectations of how things have showed up have allowed things to happen in a much more organic way where I'm not trying to control them. And it ends up happening... I don't think, I know you and I could never have imagined the life we're living right now five years ago or even like two years ago or yeah. even like a year ago yeah. when we were living in a caravan and yeah. we had to remove the caravan from our life, which we just built and loved, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, it's so hard to imagine what's come because of that. But everything's flourished from that initial space creating that we've done or that, that removal of things. And you know, one thing that I think about that's kind of funny is like I had to remove my my preconceptions of beauty. Mm. When I met you, you were a, a smoking hippie bum. <laughs> and and one thing I had to personally remove was like my kind of aversion to hairy armpits because you're French. No, that, that, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it sound like that. Most French women are not like me. I just... Uh, you just... you just. I had to let go of my own conceptions <laughs> of beauty and I had to question, do I really want to shave or am I just doing it because I think I should? And I think that's the ultimate question. In this idea of removing things and how do you choose what you remove, the bottom line is questioning. It's, am I doing this because I really want to be doing this? Or am I doing this because this is something I was told along the way and took it for the, the truth? Like, am I taking the pill because it's really enhancing my life? Or am I taking the pill because I was given this idea that this is what women do? And man, was I given the idea that's what women do? And you know, it's the, it's, it's the questioning that is the beginning of all of this. Yeah, I think it's being a skeptic. Yes. And, and I think that helps us kind of like Socrates get down to fundamental truths, right? Yes. About who we are yes. and, and what we actually like, right? Like this is a process of self-discovery. I think that's one of the things that's so interesting about removing is it's a grand experiment in mm -hmm. who I am and who I'm not, right? And I think one of the best ways to figure out who you are is to figure out who you're not. 
Like, and in fact, that's what I think I spent a lot of my life doing is just trying to figure out who I'm not. And to whatever degree I've done that, it seems to be pushing me in the direction of who I am. But if you ask me, who am I? I can't answer that question, but I I can tell you like the things that I'm not anymore. You know, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a finance, like made like, well, I guess I'm still kind of a finance major, but I'm not in the finance. Well, you have a finance degree. You don't have to be a finance. I'm not a general manager. (laughs) I I'm not a, like all, I'm not a stoner or pothead, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things. Yeah. Anyway, and and going back to the preconceived beauty thing, like you even took it a notch more because I had kind of an aversion, like in my mind, I just like, I don't know. It was just like, wow, I'm never going to be with one that doesn't shave her armpits for me. Yeah. That that was was just, uh, it was just like a, like one of those kind of like pet peeve things or or like pet peeve is not the right word, but it's just like, I don't know. That was kind of a turnoff. I thought it was a turnoff for me. And so I had to like, when I met you in India and, uh, and and then like days after I met you, before we were really a thing, you shaved your head, mm-hmm. and that was like a whole another thing. This is like <laughs> I'd never imagined I was gonna like you know start start a fling with a with a with a bald woman. Like I don't know, that's not the idea of beauty that it's men like, have been oh. pumped since they're like six. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like no, you weren't blonde and like perfectly smooth, and yeah. you know, like have washboard abs and nice big chest, and all, you had that part, but. <laughs> Anyway, but the point being is that, like, I had a lot of ideas about who the woman I was going to love had to look like. Ultimately, those are very superficial. And if I had really stuck with those, I would have missed the love of my life. Mm. I would have missed you and everything that you've brought to my life, which has been massive and and impossible to try to name on a podcast. But, like, I would have missed that if if I wasn't willing to question, like, okay, is that really... Is that really something I care about, or yeah. is that just something I've been told? Yeah. Or is that just something I've uh, um, kind of uh, assumed? Yeah, I really think it boils down to the questioning, and and through the questioning, it will become apparent what you want to remove. Because honestly, if I look at this list of things I've removed, and there's many more, and there's many I didn't say, and it doesn't really matter because it's my journey. It doesn't have to be yours. You, you it's it's all about removing what needs. We're not to telling be you what to remove. Yes, we're telling yes. you to look at what you might be able to remove. Yes, yes. For some people, and I'm I'm really I'm really believing in that. For some people, continuing to smoke heavy amounts of weed is probably the wave to their to their own godlike thing. It doesn't have. It, I you look at you're looking at me like <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't want to know because it's not my journey. That's not my business. It's it's other people's business. But it's this idea of question, see what feels like it wants to be removed, and then let it remove itself. Because honestly, if I look at all of the things, I didn't actually, there were things like I tried to remove many times. Most of the time when I tried to remove them, they came back. It's when I addressed underlying things that it ended up not coming back. I mean, I, I quit I quit smoking countless times over the last 12 years. And I mean, it's, there's a couple strategies for this. There's another one that I work with with my clients is like getting in touch with something greater yes. than the thing that you haven't removed, right? So yes. If you're getting like, you know, a really simple example would be like if you're getting coffee every day, yeah. but you want to go travel the world and, you know, and you're in some debt. Mm-hmm. And if you can just help people see how that coffee every day is actually getting them further away from what they truly want to do, whatever it is, and make that conflict more painful, mm-hmm. then a lot of times they will remove it just because they realize there's something more important. But a lot of times we haven't really done the excavation work to figure out what's more important. So that's also another way that you can do it. But I think, you know, what you were saying earlier, and I totally agree with this, is it's it's more about knowing what you want to remove than because that's a big part of the game. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's been pretty true in my experience is a lot of times, like you said, I had a hard time removing things. But knowing what I wanted to remove allowed me to embrace it when opportunities came up. And it allowed me to take that kind of attitude. I was like, okay, this is an experiment. Maybe this will be interesting when I go to India instead of thinking, I'm not going to India because then I won't be able to drink and like, or whatever, you know, like instead of seeing it as an inconvenience, it's an opportunity to see if I can do without. And uh, so, yeah, just figuring out what you might want to remove in your life, take an inventory of that, just understanding what might not be part of your best life is a great first step because then as opportunities show up, you'll be more inclined to take them. Yeah, and I think the best way to, to sum this process up is uh, in the words of, of uh, our good friend and highly sensitive coach, 
Karina Antonopoulos, she once told me that my job is to figure out the what and the why. The universe's job is to figure out the where, the when, and the who. And when you combine those, you get the how. Amen, sister. And thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for spending your precious time with us. It's an honor. It is an honor and it is a privilege. And if you're interested in the topic we just covered, as I as we mentioned, we uh, will have a video uh, explaining a bit more how we live, showing you all the things we don't have, and uh, you can kinda, com- yeah, you can kind of compare it and just yeah. see all the different ways that uh, yeah. we're really lame. <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to give more of an inside look, so that will be over at Patreon.com/slash The Far Out Couple, and that's accessible as a exclusive content, as a present to you if you support us starting at the $3 level. Exclusive. It's exclusive. That means only you get it and a few other people, not (laughs) most people. It's special and unique and exclusive. And our community over there is growing, so uh, join us. We uh, would love to have you. There's two other ways you can support the podcast. One is to share it with a friend. That's pretty much how this podcast grows. Mm -hmm. And the other one is... Leave us a review. We'd love to read your words on a future episode of the podcast. So uh, go over to Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they call it these days and write something. Yep. And then just push those five stars. (laughs) One, two, three, four, five stars. All right. All right. See you next time. Toodles. Toodles.